Well, this is a very exciting time right now. Um, Labor Day, right? Day off work. How many of you have to go back to work on Monday anyways? Okay, a few of you. All right. Well, so sorry about that. Um, three, four, okay. But, uh, you know, my dad always said that Labor Day is either you'll be heading to the lake or you'll be heading to Lowe's. <laughs> so... How many of you are heading to the lake for Labor Day? Okay, a couple of you. How many of you are heading to Lowe's? Work on your house. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a real exciting time. I mean, the weather's changing. Um, fall time is coming up. This is just an exciting, exciting time. The weather starts to cool off a little bit, thankfully for that. Um, and uh, that crisp fall air starts to come into play. Football games. Yeah, all right, yeah, okay, very good. Um, is the football good around here? Yeah, because you have Notre Dame. How many Notre Dame fans in here do we have? Okay, how many Chicago Bear fans? Okay, Pittsburgh. Ooh, is that a bad word? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, we better get into the message this morning, huh? All right, well, um, Let's have a word of prayer, and uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3 this morning, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll jump into the, to the message here. Let's pray. Lord, we are just so grateful uh, that we get to gather here around your word, and Lord, we need your help this morning as we explore um, what you have for us as uh, followers, and we pray that you will strengthen our hearts this morning. Help us to see you for who you are, uh, that you are God, that you are almighty, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that you are the Alpha and the Omega. Um, Lord, I pray that the salvation that you have wrought in us, the, the beginning of it, that this is just a process that you'll continue to mold us and shape us into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray for those here this morning that are struggling, those that are just going through some difficult times in their life. Father, may they run to you as being a, a strong and mighty high tower. Um, I pray that they'll find refuge in you. Um, Lord, that, they will, that they'll grasp hold onto your word and uh, it'll help them through the storms of life. Lord, we pray that uh, for those that might be here this morning that do not have a relationship with you, uh, that you would draw them unto yourself God, that your name would be exalted and lifted up and uh, that they would come to a place, a realization that they need to have a relationship uh, with you uh, through your son, Jesus. We thank you. We love you for what you've done for us in our lives. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. So here we have uh, Philippians chapter number three. And uh, we've been talking about a little bit about moving forward, moving forward in our Christian life, moving forward in uh, what we're doing uh, with our lives. And we've kind of looked at a few things about cultivating worship. Uh, we looked about creating community. And this morning, I really want to talk about your relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's really, when we talk about moving forward in our Christian life, Jesus should be the center of that. And our relationship with him should always be moving forward. I think many times, even in my own life, I can look back and I can 
see times where I felt really close to the Lord. And then circumstances happened, and I said, oh man, if I could just get back to that place where I once was. The Lord doesn't want us back to that place. He wants us to continue moving forward with Him. We don't ever go back. We move forward with our relationship with Christ. And I think Paul really kind of talks a lot about that here in Philippians chapter 3. And uh, let's take a look here. And we'll read these verses. We're going to read uh, a majority of the whole chapter here. And uh, then we're just going to pick out a few verses to talk about our relationship with the Lord. Let's read it together. Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse number 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, is of to the law a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." So here in this chapter, Paul really encompasses all of the Christian life. I mean, he talks about here, look at verse number one. He talks about rejoicing in the Lord, the beginning of our salvation, that we rejoice in Christ Jesus. 
all the way to the very end of our life here on earth, as he talks about in verse 21, that he'll transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to be subject all things to to himself. So the whole of the Christian life and our relationship with the Lord is laid out right here before us in Philippians chapter number 3. And I think when we talk about moving forward in our relationship with the Lord, it's imperative that we know exactly what that means. I mean, what does it mean with our relationship with the Lord? How do we move forward in that? And I think there's some very interesting things here that the Lord showed me that I believe that can be in help to us here this morning. So let's take a look here at a few of these. Number one, our relationship with the Lord. How do we move forward with that? Well, number one, we are to put no confidence in the flesh. Put no confidence in the flesh. Listen to what Paul says here in verse number three. He says, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. You know, often when I think of my life with Jesus, I sometimes mark it by achievements and accomplishments that I've done in my own life. I put marks in my life and say, oh, I can remember when I did this for God, and I remember when I did this for God, and I remember when I did this for God. Well, Paul says here, we are to put no confidence in our flesh. I don't think we should ever have our identity in the tangible things in life, but our identity should be found in Christ and Christ alone, and that's it. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. Think of where Paul was when he was writing this. He was in prison. Why was he in prison? For preaching the gospel. Paul knew exactly what he had done with his life. And he, Paul, I mean, obviously he wrote probably a third of the New Testament. He planted many churches. But yet still he says, I'm not going to put any confidence in that which I have done. He says, my confidence is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So we should never have confidence in the flesh. If I'm going to move forward in my relationship with Christ, I need to remember that my flesh is weak, Christ is everything, and I am to have no confidence in what I can do. Because the reality of it is I can do nothing without Christ. So we are to put no confidence in the flesh. You know, I need to realize that there is a difference between God's power and the power that I have. I need to realize that there is a difference between the righteousness which I work up and the righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at this text and see how Paul moved forward with his relationship with Christ. He says, I put no confidence in the flesh. How is that possible, Paul? Well, take a look back at verse number two. He says this, look out for the dogs. Now, he wasn't talking about the little yip, 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 come out and bite you on the heel, okay? He wasn't talking about the giant, um, you know, uh, Rottweilers or things like that. He was giving this as a term to describe the Jews of his time. He was saying, look out for the dogs, which is interesting because back in the time of Jesus' time, the Jews actually looked at everybody else as being dogs, because they weren't devout followers of God, because they, didn't, they weren't zealous for God, and, and they looked at those that, that did not follow 
God's law as being dogs. But now Paul reverses that and he says, you look out for the dogs, referring to the Jews. Now what about these Jews? Well, he says they were evildoers. They mutilated their flesh. And he gives us some, an example of that about circumcision. Now, I'm not going to talk about what circumcision is. Hopefully, uh, we're mature adults in here. And if you don't, you can go home and you can read it on Wikipedia. Okay? But the idea here of circumcision, the first mention of it, we find when the children came out of Israel, God wanted them to have a mark set upon them. And so it was a rolling away of the flesh. It was to symbolize what God had done in their life. And so here are the Jews here, and they were placing such an emphasis on an outward thing. They were placing such an emphasis on the confidence in the flesh. And Paul says, you need to watch out for these people that do this. They are dogs. They mutilate their flesh. So it's important to understand that it's not about what we do in our external life here. But it's about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, there are many people at times that place more of an emphasis on externals than they do the internal. And we need to watch out for that. And I think all of us, all of us, myself included, have a seed of being a Pharisee in our life where we want to place more of an emphasis on the externals than we do the internal. So it's important to understand, Paul says we are the circumcision. Now let's take a look here at a few verses about that. Let's turn over here to uh, the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 2. And look what the Bible says here about this spiritual circumcision that we have in Christ. Colossians chapter number 2, look at verses 9 through 14. This really gives us an idea of what the spiritual circumcision is that we have in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, beginning of verse number 9, he says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of, notice that word, the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. In verse 13, and you who were dead in your trespasses and, un, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal commands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And so when we talk about a spiritual circumcision, God has wrought an amazing work inside of us. And Paul says, I place no confidence in the flesh because I realize that my flesh profited nothing. It had nothing to offer up to God whatsoever. And Jesus did an amazing work inside my life that I couldn't even do. And I was spiritually circumcised. I was spiritually set apart for God's use and His glory. So if I'm to move forward in my relationship with Christ, I'm not to have any confidence 
in the flesh. I'm not to be boasting about what I can do. I'm not to be boasting about what I have done. Because really, all the things that we have done are nothing compared to what Christ has done in our life. And so we need to cancel out the whole thing of, boy, look how great I am because of my workings, my outward workings of what I can do, because it's nothing. Put no confidence in the flesh. Let's turn back to the book of Philippians here. And we're going to break this verse down because this is very important to understand the progression that Paul talks about this here. So he says, for we are the circumcision, verse number three, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So let's look at a few things about our relationship with the Lord. Number one, as the believers, we have given up confidence in the flesh. If you are a believer in Christ and I'm a believer in Christ, then we've given up the confidence that we have in the flesh. We don't come to Jesus with saying, God, look what I can do. We come to Jesus with nothing. And we say, God, I am nothing. I am nothing but a worm. I'm nothing, I'm nothing but a hell-bent sinner. And I have to offer you nothing. And we've given up the confidence in our flesh. If I am to move forward in my relationship with the Lord, I need to come to a place where I bag my righteousness. And I tag it as being worthless. And I give it up. And I say, God, you are everything. And I give up my confidence in the flesh. Paul really talked about this because I like what he says here, uh, here in uh, verse number 12. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I forget those things which I've attained in life. He says, I count them as rubbish. I count them as dung. They're worthless. They're nothing to me. Because my goal is Christ. My goal is to win Jesus Christ. Number two, we are to glory in Christ Jesus. Look at what the verse says. It says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. Look at verse number one again. He tells us to rejoice in the Lord. Because we no longer have self on the throne... As a believer in Christ, when I dethrone myself for my own confidence and my own joy, Jesus Christ now becomes my confidence and joy. And so it's no longer putting confidence in myself, but it's putting confidence in Jesus Christ. It is out of Jesus that we find this over-bubbling fountain of joy as we rejoice in Him for our salvation and desire. Thirdly, we are to worship the Father by the Spirit of God. Listen to what he says again. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God. You know, there is a difference of those who perform for God and those rather than those who worship God. I want you to think about your relationship with the Lord. Is it all about a performance or is it about worship for him? The Pharisees were really good at putting on a performance for the Lord. Remember, they would go in the street corners and they'd pray long, long hours. They would enlarge their borders of their garment. The Bible says that when they would go and give, they'd want to make sure that their, that their giving was heard. 
they put on a performance. And I think so many times in my own relationship with the Lord, if I'm not careful, my worship becomes more of a performance of what I can do confidence-wise with my own flesh than putting my confidence in the Lord. And it's a never-ending treadmill of performance. It's always running, never accomplishing anything. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. He says, I am to worship God by the Spirit of God. There's no performance there. The worship that pleases God is the joyful worship which is solely based upon the merit of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now take a look here at these verses because Paul is going to give us some things. Paul says, if anybody wants to boast about performance... He says, I got it down. Look here at verses 4 through 6. I love this. What he says, though I myself have reason for confidence. He says, if you guys want to brag about confidence in the flesh, he says, I got you beat. Listen to what I've done in my flesh. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So here they are in the playground of life, and they're talking about confidence in the flesh. And Paul says, okay. I, guys, I got you all beat. You know, remember like when you were in high school and you were talking about like cars and stuff and you're like talking about, oh yeah, well I have this and I have that. And the one guy comes up and he says, well, you know what? I got a Shelby Mustang. <laughs> Conversation's over. You win. Okay. Here's Paul. He's saying, you know what? I have a Shelby Mustang. I have a Ferrari. I win. Okay. Listen to what he says. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul was circumcised. He was a Jew, the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, he, there, was a great, there was a great pride in being part of this tribe. A lot of monarchs came out of this tribe. He says, I got you all beat. He says, I'm part of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew. When people look up the Hebrew word and they see in the dictionary, there's my picture right next to it. He says, I'm the example. He says, I got you all beat. He says here, he says, concerning the law, as to the law, a Pharisee, I win. He says, as to zeal, I got you all beat. I was a persecutor of the church of God. He says here, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So Paul says, if anybody wants to have confidence in the flesh, he says, I got you all beat. But think of what Paul talks about. He says, I've done all of this external things. But he says, I count them as dung. I count them as worthless rubbish. They're worth nothing. He says, my goal in life is towards Jesus Christ. He says, I forget all of that stuff that I've done in my life. You know, all of this had to do with religious pride and religious outward actions. Paul says if there is anyone who should have confidence in the flesh, it was going to be him. But look at this in verse number 7 and 8. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, I love this, my Lord. Think of the love that he had towards Christ. Here's all of his confidence in his flesh. And he says, I'm going to forget all that stuff. I'm going to bag it. I'm going to forget it. And he says, Jesus, my Lord. 
There was a personal, intimate love that he had towards Christ. Jesus, my Lord. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say that Jesus is your Lord? Can you say that Jesus is the one that you love? Or is it all of the confidence in the flesh? Paul says, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may win Christ. So for us to live in such a way that we take Jesus out of the spotlight and we put the confidence of our flesh in its stead is in a sense very blasphemous to God. Because everything that Christ has accomplished for us and we're saying, Jesus, you're not that important. You're going to take second place and it's going to be about what I can do. To live that way is not living moving forward in a relationship with the Lord. Because we're putting more emphasis on us, on what we can do, than what He has done for us. And so we need to remove ourselves and put the Lord in His rightful place. So in order for my relationship to move forward with the Lord, I am to not have any confidence in the flesh. Let's look at a second thing here, what Paul talks about in our relationship with Jesus. Having righteousness through faith in Christ. Notice what he says here, verse number nine, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, here in this verse, you see two forms of righteousness. You see, one, a righteousness of ourselves that comes from the law. And secondly, there's a righteousness from God that comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Now, out of those two righteousnesses, which do you think will stand? Righteousness in the law or righteousness in Jesus Christ? In Jesus Christ. Why? Because the law was a schoolmaster. Let's turn over to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter uh, number 3. And look what the Bible says here about the law and what it does. Galatians chapter 3 verse 21 tells us this. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. That's Jesus Christ. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. So here, when we talk about the law of righteousness, Paul says, watch out for those that want to place more of an emphasis on laws than they do a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. And I think many times in my own life, if I'm not careful, I can lose the simplicity that is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For example, the goal of our Christian life is not to try to prove to everybody how good we are. The goal of our Christian life is to show people Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, we lose the simplicity that is found in Jesus Christ. Because we make it more about showing how good we can be the righteousness of the law than just showing Jesus Christ. Think of everything that Paul gave up to become a follower of Jesus. I love the way that God's words puts this. He says, and be found in him. Paul definitely knew that all that he had in Jesus, the righteousness of his own, everything that he had, all of his righteousness, was worth nothing compared to Christ. He knew that it did not satisfy his life. He knew that it was filthy rags before the eyes of God. So it's a righteousness of Jesus Christ through faith. Have I lost sight of the goal? Have I made more of my life about the righteousness of the law than I have about the righteousness of Jesus Christ? Have I proven myself to everyone that I'm good based upon what I do and don't rather than allowing Jesus Christ to be my life, my goal, and my desire for worship? Have I lost sight of his righteousness that it is enough to purge me from my sins and bring me into fellowship with God that I need to somehow show my, and prove my worth to him through the law? What a miserable way to live. We are saved by faith and we live by faith. God loves us just the way that we are. We don't have to try to earn God's favor because he died for us willingly as we were. God never said, okay, in order for you to come into a relationship with me, here are my requirements. I'm going to require that you go to church three times a week. I'm going to require that you wear a suit. I'm going to require that you... He didn't say that. We came to him broken. We came to him in need of salvation. And he says, I'll take you just as you are. I want you just as you are. And for some reason in my Christian life, I think many times as I progress in my life with Jesus, I then begin to think, well, salvation was good for the beginning. But now, God, I'm really going to prove to you how good of a person I really am. And what do we do? We start putting confidence in our flesh and we start putting our confidence and righteousness in the law and we say, God, well, you know what? Salvation was good. Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. But you know what? I got it from here now. What a terrible, miserable way to live. We're to be having our righteousness in Jesus Christ. You know, when I stand before God, and, when we, and you stand before God if you know the Lord is your Savior, that's why Ephesians tells us it's not by works that we have done, 
It says according to the, the gift that he's given us, there's going to be no boasting. There's not going to be saying, well, you know what, God, hey, boy, I got saved. And, you know, I'm really glad that you saved me because look what I was able to do. There is going to be no boasting. We're going to be worshiping him, thanking him that he willingly clothed us in the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. So we are not to have any confidence in the flesh. We're not supposed to be having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law. Here's the third thing that Paul talks about. If I'm going to move forward in my relationship with the Lord, okay, let's take a look at what the Bible says about this. Thirdly, to know him. Look at verse number 10, back in Philippians chapter number 3. Paul says this, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul makes it quite clear that the goal of his life was to know Christ. Not necessarily to know the law, not to know everything there was to know about the law, but to know Christ. That was his goal. This knowing Christ is not just merely hearing and reading about him. This is a personal encountering with the Lord, talking with him, desiring him, spending time with him. It's a close relationship with him. It's direct, personal communication with him. So how do we come to know him the way that Paul spoke of here? Well, the keys are listed here. Look, what these, uh, look at some of these words here. The power of his resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So here's some practical ways for you to know him better. Here they are. Number one, reflect and meditate often on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. The Christian life is about the gospel. And we are to reflect often about that. Here in just a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity for us to reflect, to meditate upon the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So reflect on that often. Secondly, welcome and rejoice with sufferings in your life. Welcome them. Remember Paul? Where's he at? He's in prison. And he's saying, hey, I'm rejoicing for what God is doing in my life. Welcome the sufferings that come into your life because they are God-ordained. And God brings those sufferings in our life, not because he hates us, not because he's trying to get even with us, not because he's just trying to show how powerful a God that he is, but he's doing it out of love. Because he wants us to bring us into a closer relationship with him. So welcome the sufferings that come in life with joy. Thirdly, ask God to cultivate humility in your life. Look what the Bible says here, becoming like him in his death. Remember Philippians chapter number 2? The Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Welcome and cultivate humility in your own life. Spending time with the Lord. Welcoming these things in your life. 
Paul says that I might know him. Now look at these next few verses here because I think this is an encouraging thought for us as believers. He says this in verse number 12. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I move forward, Paul says, in my relationship with Christ because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. That's a challenge to me. Paul says... If you're mature, you need to be thinking this way. If you say that you're mature in your relationship with Christ, he says, you need to think about your relationship with him. And are you moving forward? Are you progressing for the goal to make Christ your life? To make him the one that you're straining for, moving towards? Paul says, that's my goal. He says, I'm going to forget all that stuff that I did with my life. I'm going to forget all the achievements and accomplishments and I am going to focus on Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for this time that we got to look into your word. And God, we do pray that you help us and enable us to move forward in our relationship with you. Lord, I believe we can get so sidetracked by trying to live a life of performance rather than just live the gospel and live Christ and, and allow you to work through us. Lord, help us to put all that stuff aside and to remember to focus on Christ. God, we're going to have this time of communion with you and we're going to reflect and remember about your death and your burial and your resurrection. To remember that you paid an ultimate sacrifice for us, God, that you gave your son, that his body was broken, the blood was spilled out, so that we would have confidence and joy in you. God, thank you so much for the righteousness of your son, Jesus. We knew that our righteousness had nothing, and we remember you for that. We reflect upon that. We ask all this in Christ's name.